Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, mental health, and wellness, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. This podcast episode is brought to you by UHSM HealthShare, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.uhsm.com or call 1-800-900-8476. Hey guys, welcome back to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. We're so glad that you are here spending your time with us. I'm super excited for today's conversation. You may not realize, but it's kind of been like in the making, like it's kind of been a long time coming with Katie, Katie Dale, and she is an author of a memoir about her faith through, I mean, psychiatric hospitalizations, and she advocates online, blogging, speaking, and sharing her story and standing up for brain disorder equity, which we love her work so much. And so today we're talking about understanding bipolar disorder and from a faith-based perspective as well. And that's one of the reasons I really wanted to have Katie is because she does um, live at this unique intersection in her own life. And so, um, yeah, Katie, thanks so much for, for coming today on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Brittany. It's an honor to be here. I'm really happy to be with you. Yeah, I know it's funny. I feel like we've intersected in so many different things and we've also been following each other for a while. So it's nice to be able to talk. Um, and, you know, for those who aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led to the work that you're doing today? Sure. So aside from writing a book about all of my life, pretty much in uh, book format, you know, I have uh, lived through a couple episodes of bipolar disorder type one. So I have that lived experience. And I've also served in the case manager role in a uh, outpatient clinic in Missouri for a few years. So I have a perspective of provider and patient, as well as I am a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I accepted the Lord at a young age and, you know, I've dedicated my life and um, purposes are found in him. So um, I'm seeing those promises fulfilled in my life. I'm at a stable place with my medicine and have been through a lot of therapy. In fact, I was just at seeing my therapist today before I got here. So um, it's, it's really good that he's blessed me with such an abundant life in so many ways. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that. And I appreciate um, that you've been able to walk through both roles, which many people do right and it's like and that's where we're we want to destigmatize what mental health conditions look like and um how you can't how one can reach a place of functioning you know through daily life and through 
mental health care and maintenance and resources and things like that. But Mm -hmm. uh, I know today specifically we're talking about bipolar. And so Mm -hmm. for those who have kind of heard about it, but they don't really, really know what bipolar disorder looks like or what it consists of, can you tell us what bipolar disorder is and also how you've reconciled with that diagnosis through your faith? Yeah, definitely. So the bipolar meaning of the word it used to be known as manic depressive. And I'm sure like generations ago, we used to call it that because you have the mania and the depression, which is the two poles of the bipolar. Uh, so in mania, you go up high into a euphoric uh, state of mind. You have fast thoughts and, you know, they're coming at you a million miles an hour. You get creative, uh, t- tend to see it in a lot of people who are artistic um, can tend to have that genius stroke of, uh, you know, oh, you know, light bulb goes off. But when you're bipolar, uh, when you have bipolar, you can take that to the nth degree. So grandiose thinking, thinking you're the star of the show, having the will and the power to, you know, do all these things and so much, so much time. And then you, you also speak a lot faster than normal your usual rate. And I think that's a good summary summary of the mania. The depression comes and it cycles for most people and it starts out slower cycles usually. So these things can crop up in the mid-teens to to late 20s generally. And the depression is when my cycle started, which I've heard before that cycles and bipolar start out as depression typically. Um, So the depression is, as you would think, a depression, but a clinical depression where you're down, um, depressed, having even suicidal thinking, you know, the, the pain of that emotional sorrow in your mind and heart, um, a lack of drive. You may sleep more, you may eat more, you may sleep less. Um, usually that's the mania, but some people do have the depression and anxiety that, you know, they sleep less. So, um, and they cycle back and forth. Uh, the, the sooner it's treated, uh, in, in most cases, the sooner it's treated with medication and talk therapy, the better the results and prognosis can be. Sometimes when you have an acute episode early on, you need um, that hospitalization and that care of that monitoring, which is what I had at 16. Um, and then I have also psychotic features, which is in some cases with uh, bipolar disorder. And it, it kind of looks like schizophrenia where you have hallucinations and delusions. Hallucinations can be auditory or visual or tactile or you think and seem to have these, you know, not hallucinations, but in some realm of what I believe is kind of real to the person. And, you know, they're having these symptoms, really. So with the psychosis, it was a feature in my mania that kind of played off the mania. So with the grandiose thinking, I was having delusions that I was, you know somebody in the Bible that I was, God was, I was, as I read my Bible, I was living out like Song of Solomon sometimes, or whoever the character, the main character was. Mm. And I'd have some strong delusions that I was actually that person from the Bible. So it's just an example, but that's 
yeah, what it can look like. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that because there are other people who even are listening and have experienced this. And I think just hearing your story and knowing that, you know, they're not alone, not only that, but it doesn't make you less of a person of faith, you know, and that you can have faith and believe in the Lord and have a strong faith at that. And it can still intersect with your experience. And so, um, can you I, know, can I clarify something? Yes. Sorry, please. So with the hyperreligiosity symptoms is what I was kind mm. of looking at there is we can have a relationship with Christ and hear his Holy spirit. If we're a believer and the world look at that, looks at that and says, you know, well, you're crazy. You know, you're, you think you're hearing from God, right? Well, what do you do when you're not really hearing from God, but you're perceiving you're hearing from God? Mm. So I had to reconcile that in a right. lot of, you know, tough situations in the hospital, especially funny story. Um, and I've shared this before, uh, elsewhere, but you know, I thought God was speaking directly to me in my mind, um, and I was in the hospital in my room there, sitting on the floor, crying out to him, Lord, you know, where are you? And this pro- prominent, like, voice speaks into my conscience, I'm in the dining room. And I'm like, okay. And at this point, I'm in the delusional state of mind. So I'm thinking, I've associated God with, at this point, um, you know, the book, The Shack. Yeah. Well, I, mm-hmm. I hadn't heard, or I hadn't read it. I'd heard of it. And I how like the characters represent like the Trinity or something like that. So in my mind, God could be anybody at this point. Right. So he could be back in the flesh and some other person. And that's where I was in my bipolar disorder symptoms, um, in my episode. And at this point I'm like, okay, well I go to the dining room and I, as soon as I walk in there, there's this guy sitting on the end of the table. It's a dude, long gray hair, long gray beard, sitting there like, makes eye contact. I go in, I sit down next to him. Oh my gosh, I'm in awe of this guy, right? So he's got to be God. This, this guy is just picture perfect. Uh, the God of the, you know, almost, you know, where we picture him in, in traditional, right. Old guy with the beard and the gray hair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He goes, I asked him, you know, can I go home with you or something like that? He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh like my God. Taking me for a ride because, you know, clearly he's not God, but in my mind, in my irrational thoughts, I was like, oh my gosh, it's the Lord. And then he goes, here's my number. He wrote down his name on a piece of paper and then he checks me out. And I'm like, at that point, like, wait a minute, time out. Like he looks me up and down like, no, 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 no. We're mistaken here. I've been misguided. <laughs> they- <laughs> So, you know, this intersectionality, like you said, there's there's a religiosity factor to it that's, you know, that's also very unique. And it's really interesting thinking about how, you know, diagnoses can look different for different people depending on, you know, there are all these subcultural contexts, you know, for you being a Christian and then believing in scripture and then obviously believing in that, you you know, hearing from God and hearing God's guidance, right? Like Mm -hmm. that also intersects with faith in a way. But I'm curious to know, you know, how have you been able to reconcile, you know, living with this diagnosis that you 
will have to manage, you know, for a lifetime Mm -hmm. and also holding on to your faith and your faith being central to your life. Yeah. Uh, Well, I was, I had to get through this state of denial that Mm -hmm. mm, I don't think I'm, I don't think it was 16 when I first started, you know, those are the teen years, your hormones, they put me on a mood stabilizer. It could have been that, that triggered it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then, oh, I'm, I went to a healing service, you know, prayed over all that. Oh, I must be healed. And a lot of us, a lot of us who have these diagnoses will, for whatever reason, believe, oh, we don't need the medicine. We're doing great. But that's why we're doing great. That's why we can function is because of the medicine. So it's, it's, it was a, for me, I went off the deep end. I went back off my medicine and I was about 24 years old. Um, you know, I'd been married to my husband three years, so I was stable. He hadn't seen me in, a, in an episode. Um, so I, it, I had to learn the hard way. Basically I went through another round of hospitalizations that time. And that episode was much worse than the first. Uh, so the light bulb kind of grew, you know, brighter. And um, fortunately by the grace of God, I was able to get on back on the medicine I went off of, but on a better dosage and different amount that now I can function. I can do, you know, I can have those um, feelings and within the normal range of emotions that most people have. I'm not going off the deep end. I'm able to enjoy life. I'm able to have a full, you know, well-rounded life and pursue things that I want to do. Um, It's not the case for everybody because a lot of people still struggle when they are on medicine and been through therapy for years. They will still have symptoms. They'll still have side effects from medicine. For my specific situation, I, I feel like it's really the grace of God that when I cried out to him to heal me and, you know, proclaimed, named and claimed, I did name and claim those verses in Isaiah, you know, that by his stripes, we are healed. I mean, I I can't say faith doesn't know, doesn't move mountains because even though I did take a blind step of faith and walked off that mountain cliff of like, oh, I'm going to like go off my medicine. God graciously and faithfully got me back on the medicine. And that was his answer to my prayers of healing. That's such a refreshing perspective because I think exactly what you're saying is what comes up a lot is like people thinking that having faith means you like having faith means you don't need anything for your healing, except for maybe this supernatural move of God, you know, and that's not to say that God can't do that, but I love that for you. You translated that as God healing and restoring me is also me being able to have available to me the resources and the tools that I need to be able to live in freedom, to live a functional life again. And, and reconciling the idea that that is also God's faithfulness. Like that pathway is also God's faithfulness in your life is getting Mm -hmm. you to the resources that you needed Mm -hmm. to get Mm -hmm. back on track rather than just letting go of everything and saying, you know, you know, I'm only going to depend on this maybe supernatural move of God in my life, which is what a lot of people for some reason locks God into healing Mm -hmm. people in this only in this one way. Yes. Yes. I've had people come to me maybe like 
two or three people since I've been advocating and like, oh, well, God healed me. You know, I don't have to take my medicine anymore. And I prayed through it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm very happy for you. Like right. if you found it that way, you know, which I, I have to be honest, I, I kind of doubt sometimes, but Hey, you know, if they've been able to come to a place where they're functioning, good for them. Good for them. God is glorified still through that. But if I've been able to come to a place through taking my two little pills once a day down the hatch and I can, you know, have a sound mind because of it and glorify him. Good for me. Like, come on. Like, you know, let me, let me shout from the rooftops that, you know, God will do what he wants. And he, it is on his terms. You know, I thought, oh, well, you know, let me prove him. I'd be a poster child for healing in Jesus name. You know, um, that was a little bit of pride. I think Mm -hmm. right there. Um, no, God humbled me big time. So, uh, but yeah, that being said, why do you think the church has such misconstrued notions of this kind of mental disorder or serious mental illnesses in general? I have a few thoughts on that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I really think for years and years and years, you know, as we've seen through the centuries, through the birth of the church, the church has been a beacon for a lot of people for mostly physical ailments, I feel like, and some mental back in the dark ages, maybe through the Renaissance and enlightenment. Yeah. And we see like, oh, the medicines and the sciences kind of like interplayed with that, with the church being, um, you know, on the forefront sometimes in history where, I mean, hospitals are now named after St. Luke or St. Mark and, you know, like that kind of mentality of like, oh, that's where they're coming from. Um, and the church, unfortunately, has tried to separate, tried to separate our spiritual from our emotional and mental, I feel like, because it's all or nothing in some way, which is like, what? That's all or nothing, all or nothing thinking, like we talk about in psychiatry, right? Like there's all or nothing thinking. And I feel like, um, God has, is raising up at this time you know the evidence in the science arena mm-hmm. that we see in society that mental health is becoming more illuminated i feel like that's in a way god using society to be like hey church you know <clears throat> you're a little bit behind the uh behind the curve here so let's let's pick up the pace here you know we we should be a forerunner as the church and, and shine that beacon of light and carry that torch speak out about it, but also not be like, oh, science and anti-science or anything like that. Because God has, in his sovereignty, designed the world and the universe. So why would we ignore his design? And especially that plays into, you know, with psychiatry and psychology and neurology, this dynamic that um, pastoral, um, care and oversight can't quite isn't equipped I would say isn't trained for and so in um and no fault to these pastors or these overseers of the sheep but you know we we have ignored the science in a way and um have you know tried to cover it up as like spiritual or or maybe we just ignorantly you know go to that that's our default because we're so passionate about our spirituality and the faith we have, we have 
but here's the, here's where I like back to is the brain is the seat of all these faculties that interplay amongst each other. Yeah. And we can't ignore one for the other. They both interplay. And if we have medicine and science for our physical bodies, guess what? The brain is part of our physical body. You know, we can't ignore that and, and put our heads in the sand about it. You know, like, so I very much am thankful for my psychiatrist. Um, I think the church is beginning to awaken to this. And I think this is a, a thing that God is really drawing us to is he's awakening the church to recognize this because it can be used to glorify him. Yeah. And that's why we so appreciate someone like you who is willing to also come to the forefront and share your story and be able to share the reality of this as a person of faith and show yeah. that there is another side to it and that there is that there are other pathways to healing um, yeah. while living in faith. and. God is a part of all of it, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Absolutely. Like the, the secular is sacred. Like, I think there's the saying, like somebody once said, like what the world doesn't realize is that the secular is the sacred. And like, we can try to separate, but God is in and of everything good. And medicine, I will tell you firsthand is good for me. So, you know, there's that, but it's an honor to be able to speak to it because, um, wow, it's exciting to be a part of anything with God, right? Like you will make your life an adventure. Just say yes to him. Yeah. It's crazy because uh, I think some people, uh, sometimes people have the misconception that taking medication for your brain or for your mind is going to like alter your mind or alter your brain, which I guess you can say in a way it does, but I think they think of it in a negative way. And I try to explain to people like, no, actually when someone is struggling with a severe mental health condition, you know, actually what the medication does, it actually helps them feel more like themselves. It helps Mm -hmm. them settle into more of being like themselves because they don't have to deal with these um, severe symptoms, you know, or the rise and fall of these mm-hmm. severe symptoms that are taking place. Mm-hmm. They can really settle into themselves and live a more functional life. So if anything, a lot of times it helps people settle more into who they are and into themselves um, Yeah, that I want people to understand. Yeah, that's, that's sometimes, I guess it would be a hard concept to grasp if you don't have medicine for your mind that you, you know, as an outsider looking in, it's like, well, I seem to be fine. Like I can think straight and why shouldn't they be able to think themselves into positive thinking? You know, it's, you know, all, a lot of what we hear these days is just like, change your thinking, you'll change your life. But you know what, what, what I've learned here and there and picked up is that the medicine will like slow down some systems and processes in your brain. So that you can better react and respond, not react, but respond. Yeah. And so it does help that in that way. It also helps in, for me, like, like the symptoms, like I was saying, the delusions, hallucinations are not there. Like, I feel like it's closed that door. Thank God, praise the Lord. But I don't have to listen to what I think are, you know, the voices are of, you know, demons and things like that or otherwise. And I'm living, you know, my life that way. And I'm happy to, I, I'd rather be in a normal frame of mind. What normal is, you know, healthy. I mean, I'm like, I'm just thinking, I'm like anyone in your shoes, like who wouldn't be, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the attraction of mania is that you can yeah. get a lot done. You can get a lot be done. Creative. Yep. 
yeah i think i said about you know and you see a lot of musicians and artists are like oh yeah you're totally. and i do great off my meds and it's like i do great off my meds too or on my meds too so yeah. i'm i'm finding that there's a steady faithful plotting um yeah. that you know brings a lot of fruit that lasts in our lives that when we're yeah i mean that's all we're ever called to do really is just to follow jesus not to follow what the masses say he's only called us individually really to like right follow him and what he's telling us in his spirit and by his words mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah yeah you know and and i appreciate you you sharing all this and um gosh that you've yeah that you've been able to get to this place in your journey because you might have some who aren't aren't here yet or like you mm-hmm. said are still um unsure that the delusions are delusions or may not be convinced that they need help or maybe the mania is really addicting because you get so much done and you're so inspired and you have so much energy and so you know all that being said um what can the church do to help support those with bipolar disorders or other types of serious brain disorders who you know might be in their church or uh, might be in their congregation and they're going through these symptoms and Katie this is what i saw okay like in the church serving all the time um they just there's like we're just going to pray for them or just mm-hmm. continue to come to the altar or continue to come for deliverance but then people continue to show up over and over again with the mm-hmm. same symptoms with the same issues and I don't want to say prayer is not enough. <laughs> don't stone me. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but you know, we are spiritual and physical, right? Mm-hmm. So we have spiritual being and physical being, and we need to holistically be addressing all of that. Mm-hmm. And yep. so that being said, you know, for those who are in the church um, or who have loved ones who they're seeing maybe some of these symptoms Mm-hmm. Or just not just bipolar, but like I said, any any mental health condition, and it just isn't really getting better with prayer, you know, or showing mm-hmm. up to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the yeah? What is the best thing that they can do to support individuals who? Well, there's definitely going to be a range of where they yeah. depending on where the individual is, right? So if they're starting to maybe they're in that age window of sixteen or fourteen, they say is age onset age usually but i don't know they're in that age frame mid teens late 20s and they're exhibiting different unique like different from their usual self behaviors that's a time to key in if you are a loved one directly in contact with them daily on a day-to-day basis you need to raise some awareness get some education there's tools online um i would love to share my resource the game plan mental health resource guide that you can find on my website with a bunch of resources that can direct you for like a a step-by-step here's the medicine list and here's my providers and put us all in one place right Mm. plus resources but depending on where that person is I want to point out um if they're in a crisis which is the other end of things um there's some really really great um guidelines to go through I don't want to go through all of them in detail right now, but like go to treatmentadvocacycenter.org. Nice. Um, and they have in a uh, page on there that they, they've they got spelled out for you, like 
what kind of crisis is it? Is it a manic crisis? Is it a psychotic crisis? What do you do in those situations? So that's a great resource. I'd love you to go to if you're like, okay, we're at that point where this person is not rationally thinking. They're not, you know, reasoning. They're not going to their appointments with me or like, you know, getting their medicine, taking their medicine. They're not thinking through things. If they haven't started a routine, a treatment routine yet, you know, I definitely encourage you to get to a mental health provider, like a psychiatrist to, do, to prescribe medicine and talk with you, a psychologist or a um, licensed count- clinical therapist or, you know, counselor to talk therapy, talk things out. And those two things go hand in hand, the medicines and the therapy, because they're clinically proven to give you those better results. Um, Family therapy is good too. If you want to involve the group therapy, outpatient therapy is a group setting um, can be helpful. That's usually set down from the hospitalization scene, but um, also there's support groups that are faith-based. Fresh Hope for Mental Health out of Omaha. Uh, Pastor Brad Hayes is a pretty good friend of mine and he runs those groups worldwide. And they're doing very well. Um, very successful rates of decreased suicidality and increased um, help for these people that feel like, you know, hopeless. So fresh hope for mental health. There's also um, a few other, you know, Grace Alliance you might have heard of. And there are other ones I have listed on my resource, the game plan too. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a start. And then just being able to care for the person you know there's caregiver burnout so enlist help of uh local mental health in your state local mental health departments outpatient clinics um in missouri there's a few that i'm here in missouri at and i worked at one and then um get a case manager caseworker to work one-on-one with a person through the week that could be extremely beneficial it's it's really good. There's also AOT, assisted outpatient treatment. Mm-hmm. If the person has been in through the, you know, even the court system and they're starting to have um, encounters with the law and legal and stuff, they can do AOT. So there's a lot of, yeah. man, I could go on and on, but um, I hope that helps at least for a start. Yeah. You know what I'm hearing from all of this and I hope you guys take a note so you can rewind it and get some of these down and we'll definitely link some resources um, in the show notes. But what I'm, what I'm hearing overall is that there are solutions, there is help, there are resources. And so you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know how to quote unquote fix a person, what have you from A to Z. You know, I always love to use a scripture about, you know, how it says, you know, in Matthew that, you know, one plants a seed, one waters and God makes it, Mm -hmm. makes it grow. You know, you don't have to be the one that plants waters and grows. You're right. right. Um, You might just be the planter. You might just be there to help get them to the resources, to help Mm -hmm. get them to the therapeutic process to help get them to the psychiatrist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whether you're a neighbor or friend or acquaintance, even like we're in the you church, know. you yeah, know, right. Exactly. Like church members, the church, church members. Right? Yeah. In the church, we think that we have to be a person's complete healing. And mm-hmm. not only is that prideful, 
Um, mm-hmm. But it can actually hinder someone's path to healing where they could be getting the resources that they need that are actually expertised in these mm-hmm. areas where they can find real solutions because um, I think also a lot of people don't realize that, you know, a lot of practices within the therapeutic process are evidence-based, meaning that they have uh, shown to have mm-hmm. real outcomes and real solutions that yeah, like clinically proven person's life, right? We're not shooting yeah. in the dark here. Right. Um, right, I mean, yeah. every person's different and in what they need and what works and and things like that, but just making that clear, right? right? Right. Yes. This is not, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like exactly, there's stuff that's been done and proven in the last decade too, you know, and that we're still going to discover more as time goes on, of course. And, and that's where I lead toward advocacy work where I'm involved in different organizations and they're really doing more than just talking about it. And because talking can only go so far. I mean, we can talk and talk and talk, but uh, I'm part of right. an organization called National Shattering Silence Coalition, which is actually trying to move the needle in terms of like legally with how we get lobbying done and um, also the mental health care field where we even call these things mental illness anymore where it's really a brain disorder. I mean, it's it's not just semantics. There's more to it. I mean, if we can extinguish all that stigma by calling it a brain disorder, that's, I mean, that's a simple way of putting it, but if we say mental illness, I mean, what, what, what do you think? Like people are going to, at least I perceive that people think mental, okay, it's all in your head it's your imagination. It's not right. So if we can call it a brain disorder, well, you know what? It, it does start in the brain and, and medically and scientifically, we can prove that people will be like, oh, we can't do a blood test. Well, actually, no, you can. They're starting to find markers on blood tests for schizophrenia. And there's, you know, more than just chemical imbalances. It's a circuitry of the way your brain, you know, electronically kind of fires. And I think if we can prove that and turn over mental illness, even serious mental illness and say, you know what, it's a brain uh, condition that can eliminate. I feel like it can clear a lot of the, the air and there's, you can't brush all of it off onto, Oh, it's the brain. You know, it's, it's my brain making me do this um, because we are still, our identity is in our brain and is in ourself uh, there but a lot of this stuff it's it's gray area um if i were to say well my symptom of hyper religiosity or uh, better example my symptom of hypersexuality caused me to sin you know you can't really put it on the the um person in that case but then what if i go and do and commit an act you know, you can't necessarily say, at least I don't, I don't know where one ends and one begins sometimes, you know, and, and that's, to be honest, it's, it's hard to say, but there is that degree of, I'm aware, I have that awareness and that insight to know what I did. Now, half of us with these disorders do not actually know that we're sick. And that's another cause or uh, a factor in why we don't get treatment. We don't believe we're sick. 
we think, you know, you've probably seen a lot of homeless people or people who are homeless, excuse me, a lot of people who are in these states of minds don't realize it. That's, that's another uh, term we call anisognosia. So, um, but then there's, you know, hope for all that who are called, at least according to God's purposes and who love God, you know, as he promises in Romans 8, that he's going to make it all work to the good, you know, like anisognosia or not, like, I feel like people need to still have hope, bottom line. Without hope, you just can't move forward. You can't get any headway done. So, yeah. Um, and I hope <laughs> that sharing that, you know, would encourage people too. Yeah, I think it is greatly encouraging to know. Um, that's And that's the thing that I always like to kind of end on. Like, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the reality of these mental health conditions and the reality of the nuances of the difficulties that uh, they can create and Mm -hmm. kind of the dissonance of having faith, but also living with the reality of maybe this is something someone will have to manage for a long time, for a lifetime, who Mm -hmm. knows, but also that there are solutions and that there is hope (laughs) and, and what a time to be alive that we are in a time where we have such solutions and technology to be able to see it be that others in history did not have, right. you know? And so I know I'm super grateful for that. I'm sure you are. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, so much of what you share is encouraging. And I don't know if you also want to share to this, but I was just going to leave off asking, like, what is one thing that you would want listeners to take away from this conversation today? The bigger picture thought is that there is hope and that looks like, you know, like I mentioned, support groups, solutions like we talked about and um, being able to get that help. And yeah, check out my site. It's katierdale.com slash resources is where you'll find the sign up for the game plan in my monthly newsletter. And so, yeah, that's where you can find me and my uh, resources that I hope, you know, you use and take advantage of because um it seems that especially, I hate to say it, but especially in some Christian circles and the church, we still seem a little bit out of touch. So I hope this puts those answers in those people's hands and who really need it. Amen. Guys, and if there's anyone who you can think of who can benefit from listening to this conversation, um, whether it's a loved one who is supporting someone or a loved one who is going through these things, and we'll just this will just be able to help validate that experience and moving through that process. Um, please do share and please do connect with all that Katie is doing. Um, I you're you're on social media as well. If if you could share for anyone who wants to connect with you there, yeah, I'm uh, all over at Katie Ardale, K A T I E R D A L E. That's on pretty much everything but TikTok. And we will be sure to link all of those in the show notes. So thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen, for having a heart to understand these things, um, whether it's for your own educational purposes and supporting others or for yourself, you know, that's what we're all about. And so we're so grateful for having those like Katie to help us bring understanding to these conversations. Um, Thank you so much, Katie, for joining. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Brittany. Thank you so much. And God bless you and all you're doing. Thanks, guys. Until next time.